0: working lad from the North, Millionaire Overnight. People that say it's overnight are out of their minds. I've watched the sport go from Ew, you're fighting cages. Now they put you alongside footballers. But all my mates from the gym that I trained at were all bouncers. Seventeen holes on the doors. The other doorman was trying to suss me out. Why don't you have him a fight then? I like, right, go down that alleyway over there. There's no cameras. Uh, it was about that big. If someone walked in, I'll say let's have a fight. We'll just do it. Maybe it's my ego. I can't turn down challenges. I'm very competitive. Bellator, 1FC, all the major promotions was offering me stupid money. Everyone wanted me at that point. The PFL, they were just starting out. You fight in a tournament for a million dollars. Your whole family is just ringside. It doesn't get any higher or any bigger for anyone. And I had four fights in seven months every year for four years. My girlfriend at the time begged me not to go back. You got a world title, you got the money. didn't listen to no one. Moved to Thailand. I'm living in a one bedroom apartment on my own. I'm barely eating. I'm barely sleeping. I don't see any of my friends and family. So I didn't slow down. I didn't take a minute to myself. I just kept going and going. And I believe that's why I did lose. In moments where you weren't winning, did it ever hit lows? Oh mate, highest highs and the lowest lows. Ended up on a reality TV show, Dana White comes on the screen, you're not in the UFC, by What? Nobody can understand what's going on. Millions of people are watching the show live. That moment there was the most indescribable feeling. One minute you're on top of the world and then you lose a fight and all of a sudden. It's
1: gonna Our champion today is the world-renowned MMA fighter, Brendan. His road to glory was faced with consistent rejection that would make most hang up their gloves for good. But no matter the failure or challenge that lay ahead of him, his larger-than-life determination meant he would never quit. No matter the loss, no matter the fear, no matter the cost, Brendan was going to win. And I'm excited to welcome him to the show. Oh, well, Mate, welcome down to Part of the Ordinary. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Um, now, when when I do a little bit of Googling you starting off for... Uh, Anyone that might not know you, whatever, yeah. when you Google your name, pretty much comes up, Working Lad from the North, Millionaire Overnight. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's the that's title that comes up, but it's way more than that, isn't it?
0: I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, it was and is uh, an insane journey that has been ongoing since I was 15 years old, mm. 33 now. Yeah. So people that say it's overnight are mm. uh, out of their mind. I know.
1: Because it it comes like, it comes growth like type of growth comes in lots of little steps. But I think what would be really good is kind of paint that picture for people. Yeah. When you was younger, what was life like for you?
0: Well, you know, I always say to people, I was just a typical Manchester lad. I really was. Yeah. I was playing football. I was fucking about. I was wrestling kids in the in the playground as we all were. Yeah. I thought it was a WWE superstar <laughs> at one point. Uh, so I was that that's that was kind of me. And I just like think I had a very very normal upbringing. Yeah. Like. I'm trying to find something where you'd be like, that's why he's a fighter. Yeah. But yeah. it actually isn't any of that. It's mm. just a guy who loved competition. Yeah. Loved sport. Yeah. Uh was always athletic and always the most competitive little kid around. Like, yeah. I just wanted to win absolutely everything. Losing was just like never an option yeah. for me. Um and then like that escalated into Yeah, just finding martial arts. And I do generally think like you are a fighter inside. Mm. I think that's a true saying. I don't think it's something that you can just start to learn. I think you can, but it'll take you to a certain level. And then when you get into places like deep waters, I like to call them, where fights get really hard, that's where you find out the real fighter inside you. You find out who you are. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you said something then which is like, yeah, I was just a normal kid, but normal to people is so yeah. different. oh yeah true it's very generic that isn't it it's a very generic thing because you could be born in a working class family and that's normal you could be born in like a a high class family and then that's very normal but what was your
0: normal so my normal was I grew up in Withington Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up both mum and dad very very hard workers Mm -hmm. still to this day and I think that working mentality was instilled in me from a young age and I was lucky enough to find my passion. Mm-hmm. I'm probably in the 1% of the 1% of people that can actually wake up every day and be absolutely buzzing to go to work. Yeah, There's not many people that can do that. So I think from young, I see Nemo was getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning and I would see him at 6 at night and I used to think, wow, and then they work really hard. So yeah. when I actually found what I, my calling was, I, I just instilled that into me and I took that kind of ethos and mentality with me into my chosen path.
1: Yeah. So like essentially you've seen your parents being hard workers was just inbred inside of you. He was like, that's kind of what you should do.
0: I think it's like a a thing with Manchester though, isn't it? Like we come from that town where it's like, yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all, we've got a different type of mentality and outlook Mm. where even like when you go back to the old Van Gogh paintings and you see them in all the old like uh, industrial buildings and everyone was just working and, going for it in that way. And I just think like that's passed through the generations from people like my mum and dad, my, their mum and dad to myself. And mm. I feel like I was just lucky enough to find my passion yeah. and put it into that rather than making someone else rich. Yeah. And, and tell me at that moment, so you, you found your
1: passion. When was it you found that? When was the eureka moment?
0: I was playing football um, up until I was very good at football, um, just not good enough. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the same area as Rashford and Lingard. I knew them. And you know, loads of good footballers growing up. Yeah, um, and that was my scene. I just loved playing football. And then I got to like, I'd say like 13, 14 and um, I kind of realised like, I was school captain and all that. I played for some good teams, but then I kind of realised like I'm getting a bit older now, and like I'm not, I'm not good enough yeah. to push through.
1: Because you, you need to be in those academies by then. It's so competitive, isn't it?
0: Like, yeah. Football's a different level of compa- in Manchester. You just you have to be exceptional. Yeah. And I wasn't. So I realised that, <laughs> which is good, because lot a yeah. lot of people do and they chase it till twenty-five and then think, oh no. What do we do now? Yeah. Mm. So that happened. And it just so happened that my next door neighbour at the time was an MMA fighter mm. um at a decent level as well. And it was when MMA was totally unknown. Mm. I mean, I've watched a sport, imagine this in my lifetime go from frowned upon yep. like ew you fighting cages it's to quite scary <laughs> to now they put you alongside footballers and mm. boxers and oh yeah well, he's that MMA guy so I've watched it like completely grow as a sport mm. to what it is now competing with boxing and yeah. competing with football and like everyone like oh UFC's on this weekend and everyone's going to the pub to watch yeah. it back in the day nobody cared
1: i remember like i remember my my uncle he bloody like he loved MMA yeah and he had the lads around and had, had like eight brothers and there was MMA fighters like getting into the scene but we was we was like kind of like oh that's a bit dodge that
0: yeah exactly Do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I was and like, it still kind is. Of
1: street fighting kind of thing like that's what it that's what it felt like but now i'm like
0: oh fuck yeah it's a big sport People actually know the names now of mm. fighters like they do wrestlers back in the day. Yeah. Remember wrestling back in the yeah. day? We all wanted to be The Rock, didn't we? <laughs> we, <laughs> we didn't all, want to be The we Rock. We all wanted to be Stone Cold, but like, yeah. now it's like, now people want to be John Jones. Mm. People want to be, like, it's like, it's a bit mind-blowing really to watch it in my own lifetime and my own career. Mm. Watch it go from something where I was getting paid £100 to do yeah, up until now getting million dollar fights. It's like, it, and that's just in my lifetime, so yeah. who knows where it's going from here? Yeah,
1: let's let's go back to that actually. That hundred pounds was it like? Oh, you got paid a hundred or hundred and fifty quid for your first? Yeah, fight? yeah.
0: So I remember I was fighting in Nottingham. I think it was about yeah my first. I might my first or my second. I can't remember, but I was fighting for a, a local gym, mm. my side ground and pound. I was in there, and then I remember I'd, they used to train Tuesday and Thursday mm. for two and a half hours. It used to be four quid. And We used to go on, it used to be in the local church. How mad's that? It yeah. was in the church. We used to put mats down <laughs> in the church and fight each other. That's not like, the place you would think you'd be fighting. What are the it? chances yeah. of that? Do you know what I mean? So we used to lay these jigsaw mats that we got off the internet, yeah, and just fight each other. We had no idea what we were doing. We used to have like because MMA gloves wasn't around. We used mm-hmm. to have bag gloves and fight each other in bag gloves. Mm-hmm. How nuts is that? Because as you know, there's not much in them. Nope. And um, we didn't really know about grappling and all that. We were just we were just kind of winging it. Yeah. And then yeah, got right. You're fighting. I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm going to ask 150 quid for you because uh, we've got a drive to Nottingham. We've got to stay over and all that. And I was like, what, I'm going to get paid? He's like, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> going to get paid for it. I was like, fucking hell. Yeah. And then that was 2008, my first fight was, and I guess you could say the rest is history from there. Yeah,
1: but what, what was you doing at the same time as that then? So you was obviously doing the fight and you was chasing a career. You was chasing essentially what was a passion. Yeah. But was you working on the job alongside that? Yes,
0: yeah, so I was at Stockport College doing mechanical engineering. Mm. I was doing that which I actually completed and I've got a HND in that which is mad. Mm. Um but I actually did a bit of like work experience with with them in Kellogg's and then I just realized that this ain't for me. Yeah. I just seen like 50 60-year-old men who hated the life turning mm. up to work and like I just thought I'm going to be here for the, at least another 50, 60 years of this, and yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be this depressed and be this type. I don't want this type of life. Yeah. And then, back then, there was a stat that one percent of everyone in the world that does MMA will get actually get in the UFC. And I was like, well, fuck it. What? Like, I'm going to go for it. What have yeah. I got to lose? I've got one percent chance. Yeah, I'll take yeah. that one percent. It's better than zero. And then I left. Uh, yeah, finished my HND, so I was in a middle ground between what am I going to do with my life? Yeah, finishing studying. And just attacking MMA.
1: Yeah.
0: Like like this is actually what I wanna do. But I know I did I know I wanted to do it. I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I loved training and I love fighting. Yeah. Um and I knew I didn't want to be a mechanical engineer that yeah. I just wasted four years doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was in the middle ground of what to do. One one, one two, one three, and I'm knocking people out. I'm thinking fucking hell, I'm actually all right at this. Yeah. And then it just like escalated then, and then it was like, well, I'm getting 150 quid so i can't live on that yeah <laughs> so what else am i going to do so then i got on the doors yeah did the doors for three years yeah from 16 70 17 i was on the doors I'm I just like, bouncing yeah just how am i i was about that big <laughs> but all my mates from the gym that i trained at were all bouncers yeah so they was like yeah come with us do it with us and then people used to literally walk up to me like what are you doing on here yeah like how are you going to stop me coming in here? And then I was fighting all the time then. Yeah. On the doors as well. Really? Then, all the time. But Tra- training there as well. Basically <laughs> training the day and night. Yeah. I was getting life skills at the night. <laughs> and in the day, I was like doing it as a profession. So yeah, it was a bit chaotic. Yeah. Like you say, you're on the doors and people's already doubting you.
1: Of like, course. Well, like, why
0: wouldn't you? I would as well.
1: Yeah. But in your mind, like, does that ever set in like that doubt of other people's opinions of you? You're thinking like, is it a chip on your shoulder? No, I'm going to prove you wrong. Or is it a, no, that's actually sinking in a little bit
0: no, not at all. It was a stereotype that I would have stereotyped me to. I really would have. I would have yeah. looked at me. Like one time, I remember I was working on Silk Strip Club, yeah, and it had just opened. Mm. And then I remember this guy's come up to me and he's gone, "What? Are you? he's like, what are you doing on it?" And I was like, just working. And then he was like, he looked at this, this guy who was with me, he's like, did your dad get you a job? <laughs> I, I was literally like that. And then, and then uh, oh, this is a mad story. So then the guy started giving loads of shit to um, the other guy who I was working with and I'd only been on the door maybe like not long at this point. Yeah. So this, I think this other guy was trying to suss me out, the other doorman because he didn't know me. Mm. So, but he'd he heard about me but he didn't know me so he went, well, why don't you have him a fight then? And then he was like, I was like, yeah. So then he's like, right, go down the alleyway over there, there's no cameras and I had to literally fight this guy and ended up absolutely <laughs> destroying him in front of like all the manager of the club came out, all the girls that were working there, Jesus. and watched me have this fight with this like random proper, guy yeah. who was twice the size of me, looked like he was full of steroids, right. and I just ended up fighting him, and yeah, it was absolutely battering him. And then, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> that and sounds
1: like the literal definition of fight club.
0: <laughs> it, was, it was, it was, it was an alleyway outside Silk's. So, you, you can see it now to this day, it's down the road, Yeah. and obviously this doorman had had it sussed so out that there's no cameras there. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, and then I had to literally walk. I remember walking down to this fight, taking my jacket off a kid. What have I got myself stuck into here? Yeah,
1: because yeah? that's like no, that's not normal, is it? That's like proper, like kind of. This was like two thousand
0: and yeah, eight, seven, nine. No, two thousand and nine. This was. Cause I'd already had one or two fights yeah. by him. We ended up shaking hands in the end, which was a bit of a mad one. That sounds um, like
1: it was just like a yeah, I kind of want to fight. You want to have a fight? Yeah, it was like it was a test. <laughs>
0: right. That was like my test. Like, well, everyone's saying you're hard. Are you hard? Go, on, go and go fight him. And I was like, all right.
1: That's that's a disaster. But I've always been like that, though. Yeah. Like,
0: if someone walked in, I'll say, "Let's have a fight." We'll just do it. I just, I've got a weird thing. Maybe it's my ego. Yeah. Maybe it's just me as a person. It's like I can't turn down challenges. I'm very competitive, yeah. and like I don't like people, like you said before, yeah. looking down on me, like well, no, you can't do that. Like, I just, don't know, I've got a weird thing with people that challenge me into yeah. fights and into the weird situations yeah. when you feel like you're backed into a corner because I was really. Mm. If you think about it, if I'd have said no that night and no, I'm not fighting him, everyone would have, this guy would have lost respect to me. The word would have gone round. I don't yeah. know if I would have been respected. I might have lost my job. Who knows? So, yeah. in the, it, end... the only
1: thing that is scary is if something bad had happened. Obviously, yeah. it's it's not like it's a safe environment. Like, guy would have,
0: exactly yeah and that's not what I wanted in one Mm. slightest bit and I couldn't be any further away from that guy I don't like fighting on the street Mm. my mates will tell you I just walk away from any bad situations like because at the end of the day I'm classed as a weapon I've spent my whole life doing martial arts yeah why do I want to fight average Joe who's had 10 pints? I yeah. don't. like. Yeah. I'm not interested. If you want to watch me fight, go on YouTube and watch me fight yeah. other trained athletes. Yeah. you know what <laughs> I Watch mean? a proper fight. Real <laughs> fighters. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening and give one of you loyal listeners a chance to win a year-long supply of ferocity to show appreciation for all your support. To enter, all you need to do is subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming platform and share your favorite episode on social media. But don't forget to tag us so we can see it. We really do appreciate you, and thank you for listening. But then in terms of you said as well about competitiveness, like you've said you've always been super competitive, football, sport, you were around some of the like, world's greatest names in football. Has that ever got to you a point where, like, if you're winning, you're on top of the world? Like you said, you were 150 quid. I'm getting paid to fight. And yeah. then you knock someone out, you're like, oh, I'm all right at this, second yeah. fight. There's an audience watching, blood's like, fuck. You're getting, like, in heightened feelings. In moments where uh, maybe you, you weren't winning or something would happen, like you said, you've you've just got to raise to that challenge. Did it ever hit with lows?
0: Oh, mate, my my career's been this. Yeah. Like wow, highest highs and the lowest lows. That's what they say about fighting. Mm. You one one minute you're on top of the world and everyone's bringing your phone and wants to be your mate, mm. and then you lose a fight and mm. all of a sudden your phones are silent. You know what I mean? And I, I seen that. Mike Tyson quote from back in the day, I don't know if you've seen it. Go on. He said he had 50 missed calls when he were when he won, but when he lost, his phone was on silent and yeah. nobody come in the dressing room. And when, he, when you win, the dressing room is full. Yeah. But I knew that from a young age. I didn't get mad about that. Hmm. People love winners yeah. <laughs> in any aspect of life. Yeah. It doesn't just apply to sport. I know what I'm up against. Yeah. I'm not going to sit and moan about it. If I lose... I know that people are going to have a certain reaction. If I win, I know people are going to have a certain reaction. Yeah, Yeah, I think the first low point of my whole career was I got um, a world title fight on Bama. Mm. Um, It was in Dublin, Ireland. And I was about, I want to say, 9-1 and or something at that time. I'd built myself up to fight this guy who's called the Fire Kid, Tom He's undefeated. He was the biggest phenom in Europe at the time. And everybody was like, I remember I got in a in a lift with my coach. I never forget this. I was in Ireland at the fight, and I pressed the lift, and this guy's in the lift with me and my coach, and then it's going up. He's like, Yeah, like so, how come you've took this fight, mate? Like, yeah. what? You got no chance? And I was like, you, what? what? Your coach, yeah, no, this random reporter who oh, was right. just okay, in the me. lift with us. Yeah, I mean, my coaches have looked at each other like and he's fucking joking, he's just come straight in. He's like, Yeah, banned. no, like, no, like, just general press a button, turns around. Oh, Brendan, yeah, yeah. how come you've took this, mate? All the reporters are writing me off, everyone was writing me off in this fight. Yeah, I went in there and absolutely wiped the floor with this kid, battered him every round. Yeah, and then they give him the decision, and there was a full scale riot, mm. glass bottles was getting thrown in. And that's why I'll always respect David A in this situation because he was the reporter mm. on the night, the, the commentator. And he turned around and went, this is a travesty, what's just happened here? Like, I'm a fighter myself. And he said that live on TV. He wasn't supposed to say that. He was supposed yeah. to, like, play the role. So that was my first low. Uh, and how did that feel when you got home? Horrific. Mm. Absolutely. Like, still to day, it was an indescribable feeling because I sacrificed so much. I had to move to America. Mm-hmm. I was in America for four months. I was training every single day, all day. I was starving to death for the fight because I had to make the weight. And I wasn't very up on nutrition, so I just didn't eat. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Again, sport was in its infancy. There wasn't no education out there like there is now. Yep. And uh, I put everything into it. I got told, you're going straight to the UFC when you win this. And then my old dream was about to come true. And then imagine going there and doing it. And then just because someone behind the scenes wanted this superstar to keep winning. I was like, oh my God. But what it did do is it was on Channel 5 Live. Yeah. So the whole world seen how good it was mm. and they couldn't ignore what happened. Even him, like they, they lifted his arm up in the air and he pulled it down. The guy was like, even he was like, yeah, like done you mate. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Um, so that was my first low point. It's a pretty big low point. No, it was massive. Yeah. It was absolutely huge. I felt like my world had ended. And can
1: you describe that? When you say, I think low points is when you get back in the bedroom and it's just you and your own voice and your own thoughts. What was racing through that mind?
0: Well, after that fight, I was pissing blood. I had a broken nose. I had loads of shit going on and I was injured as well. And yeah, I just cried my eyes out. I got back to the change and just started crying. And my coach was like, all yeah. right. I said, no, I'm not all right. He wasn't all right either, though, because mm. it's my culture I've had from day one. Yeah, And he's not all right either because he's in it like I'm in it. Mm. And then I remember going back to Manchester and I just didn't come out of my bedroom for about, I don't know, two months. Then I got back on the horse. Took me a while, though. Got back on the horse and then got back on the grind started yeah. winning again beating people so then you started training you started to win again yeah what was the next step i ended up on a reality tv show mm-hmm. i ended up on the ultimate fighter mm-hmm. um i ended up fighting for team england we went to australia fought team australia on espn that was my big break mm-hmm. um but initially i got told i wasn't in so basically 14 people got picked only 12 went and two reserves and then I got a phone call saying you're the second reserve. Second reserve's never got on before. Yeah. So i just carry on with your fights thing. and you did really well to even get to this point because there was about 2,000 applicants for this show and I got down to the last 14, do you know what I mean? So I was buzzing. And then that was only five pro fights in at this point. I've actually skipped forward here. This right. happened before that one, but let me go back okay, to that. Okay, minute. okay, So I was only 5-0 and 0 at this point. So I'm like, 5-0, and 0, but the other guys in there are 22-2, and two. Mad records. I shouldn't be anywhere near this show. But they like my character. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's all right. Him, He's an exciting fighter. He can talk on camera. He's uh, he's a likable character. Yeah, he's yeah. like the lovable rogue from Manchester. He was only 19 at the time. Yeah. And then a week into the show, the show's airing. Yeah. And I'm just, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't doing anything. I took time off. I'd trained all the way up to the show. Mm. Then got told absolutely no. Went to a B4, <laughs> took some time off. You're like, about,
1: oh, I need, I need a bit of meat. Yeah, time eight, there. nine days of yeah. just
0: partying, I'll be honest. Yeah. Because I'd not been out for that long. It was one of my mates, Bachelor Party. Uh, stag do, I think it was. Bachelor yeah. Party went about. Stag do. <laughs> I've been in America too long. Yeah. Stag do. <laughs> so then I land I land back in Manchester. And you know it's when you land back from a Ibiza. You're not in the best headspace no. either.
1: You don't remember the flight. Yeah. <laughs> <You that>. like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. The...
0: And then I got a call. <laughs> right. Just to let you know. Um, somebody's been injured in Australia. You need to fly out tomorrow morning. We're booking your flight now. I said... Can I call you back in five minutes? And then I remember just putting the phone down and just be like, what the fuck? Why did I do that? And then uh, I ended up ringing my coach. He was buzzing. My mum was buzzing. Everyone was buzzing. But I wasn't buzzing. You're I like, was like, my head's in the bin here. Yeah. I don't want to go. But then I just was like, fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? It's a fight at the end of the day. Yeah. I it's went scary.
1: there. We were going to a world stage and you're like probably feeling lowest low. You borrowed all your happiness from the next yeah.
0: few weeks. I was gone. Yeah. I, I, yeah I was gone I'd put on weight I was chubby in the neck and all that because 10 days is a long time mm. when you're just eating shit and partying it isn't it it is a real long time um, and then I just remember sitting on the flight to Australia 24 hour flight mm. just hung over <laughs> like sat there like that going to embarrass yourself in front of millions of people there on ESPN like why have you took this opportunity I ended up landing in Australia going on this show it was in a mad mansion in Sydney next door to Nicole Kidman, where stupid millions, tennis courts, all that. The show was in the mansion? Yeah. What a man. It was a reality show, no TVs, no phones, no magazines, you don't know what's going on in the outside yeah. world, 24 guys just fighting each other. So I ended up in there and then as soon as I landed, they picked me against this guy, Patrick Dice, who was like 9-0 and at the time, so he was mm-hmm. undefeated, I was undefeated at the time. Beat him quite comfortably. Then I got to the semis and I ended up fighting the guy who won it in the semi-final, Norman Park, who was about twenty five fights into his career, I'd only had five mm. and ended up going to a really close decision with him and it was a fucking great fight. Yeah. And that put me on the map. Everyone was like, Whoa, this kid's just coming in on no notice and nearly won the whole thing mm. at nineteen, do you know what I mean? And then I came back to England and everyone knew me. Yeah. Because everyone watched the show. Everyone watched T V Massive show. Yeah. Then that was the start of like people starting to know who I am. Then I had the world title fight after that, so pardon me, I went in the wrong order. It's alright. <laughs> uh so I'd already had a bit of a name from that, obviously, from the show, and then got that world title fight, but nobody gave me a chance with this guy because he was that good apparently, but then I won the fight, but got it. So that was a knockback. And then I was kinda like, Well, I've been on this UFC show, I didn't win it. I've been for world title, I didn't win it. I'm like, what the fuck now then?
1: Did that did that A be like, I'm getting used to being able to get knocked down and come back up? Or was every knock like another few rungs down the ladder, if that makes sense. Well,
0: I'd say like, yeah, it was. It yeah. was starting again every time. Every loss is a start again. Yeah. It's a complete fresh start. And was it getting harder to deal with? No, it was getting harder, mate. And it was yeah. it was getting really hard where I was like, I'm getting older. Mm. It's only so long this window's open. And how old are you now at that point? After the second loss, must have been 25. 25. Twenty-five, what, like quite kind of a quarter way through life. That so was, yeah, that was my second big loss that yeah. I didn't lose. Imagine that I didn't lose it though, <sighs> and my whole world was waiting after that for the UFC and the stardom and the McGregor thing and all that would have been going on. But imagine like you actually did it, but someone's just decided behind the scenes now nah, we're going to give it the other guy. Mm. That was hard because then I'm like, well, I actually have done it, but mm. I haven't at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So what now? Back on the horse, winning fights. Yeah. Then I get to my third and final knockdown. Uh, I went on a reality TV show again called um, The Contender, mm-hmm. where basically you are... Well, but right, let me just rewind a little bit. Yep. Since the Duke and War fight, the, the French kid, I think I won something insane, like nine in a row mm. after that. And everyone was just like, why is this kid <laughs> not in the UFC and yeah. an absolute suit? Super- People could not believe it. And Dana had started this show called The Contender mm. where basically you go on, you fight in front of an audience of mm. him and his peers and like the guys who own the UFC and they just go yes or no yeah. from the fight. Um, and that's on ESPN. And that becoming really big, that show, because now MMA's getting big. This was only 2019. Mm-hmm. So now MMA's big and everyone's watching this show. But everybody on this show was 5-0, and 6-0. Oh, at this point, I'm 19 and two. Like, I shouldn't be anywhere near this show. Mm-hmm. I should just be in the USC, But for some reason, I wasn't. Still to this day, there's a few conspiracy theories, but we'll go into that. Yeah. So now I'm like, got called for this show. I'm like, well, I'll take it. But I, we shouldn't be on this show. But then they give me the best guy they could find in America. He was a champion in two weight divisions in, in New York. And he was like the main guy in America. Yeah. And like, he shouldn't have been on it either. <laughs> So it's like he ended up in the same situation as me. So now I go out and I fight this guy mm. in Vegas. Wipe the floor with him. Win every round. Win the fight of the judges. Brendan won. Yep. Everyone's like, wow, who is this Brendan? He's just come and battered this guy. <laughs> He's good. What's funny is uh, all these times everyone keeps going,
1: who yeah. is this Brendan? Yeah. Well, who is the this Brendan? <laughs> no, this was
0: re- a real, real, this was my biggest moment in my whole career. Mm. That night. Well, uh, that was the biggest uh, the whole MMA world knows who I am now mm. and all the big fighters has come uh, com- um, sending me messages all the big champions all the MMA media Ariel Lawani. I am known now mm. I am known known like I'm like the biggest story in MMA that day by far that week so anyway I win the fight I come out of the fight and, they, and they're like the producers like yeah yeah you're in all you have to do is just go and sit on set here and the guy's going to tell you you're in and you, you're off. That really must be like... Yeah, I've done it. Six years, buzzing, I've been trying to do this. Done it. Buzzing yeah. and pissing blood again. <laughs> so, yeah. I sit in front of this set like this. Loads of lights, loads of people. Mm. And then Dana comes on the screen. Yeah, the Brendan's good and that. But I'll tell you what you don't do. Don't ever come to my f- show and fight like that ever again. You're not in the UFC, by. What? Yeah, yeah. Why? And then my whole, that's when, that's, that moment there was the most indescribable feeling that could, I could ever like, imagine he just pops up on a screen in front of you and says that and then the whole back staff just look like, go Like go like, nobody can understand what's going on. My that, whole soul's left me at this point. Yeah,
1: and, and it's being caught on camera.
0: Millions of people are watching the live. show live. This is live and I'm sat here waiting to be told I'm in and then get told that. And I'm like, and then it all just goes really silent, and I'm sat here. I've got my body's gone ice cold. Mm. I'm like, what, what? Nobody can understand what's going on. Now I just look. I say, can I leave then? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you can leave. So I get up and I start walking out the venue, and I'm like, now it's like, now I'm twenty and two. I'm thirty years old. I've been told no again. This is my third one. And you put your body through absolutely. Now I'm everything. done. I'm in my head. I'm like, well, I can't get in the UFC. That's the only place you go. Yeah. That's the only place you can make money. Mm. This is the end of my career, and I won the fight again. And what? I'm like, how? Yeah, you, yeah.
1: How do you get better? Like, what well, is like in your head? Like, what else can I do?
0: Yeah, I was done. That was me. Like, well, I can't do anything now. Like, I'm just. Well, I must just be that guy. Yeah. That just keeps getting door slammed, and like you hear about it in football, guys like who are just that good but they just never got the, 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 the chances that others got.
1: Yeah. I'm so sorry to pause this podcast, but I wanted to take a moment to tell you about Fiosti's most hard-hitting energy drink, Champion. If you have a winning mindset, that tropical flavor helps you stay focused and alert in fighting your everyday challenges. It's available now at fiosity.co.uk. Back to the show. You've done it. You've beat them. Why? Why am I not there? Yeah. You followed the ropes. You followed the rules. I did what I
0: should have done. I fought who I should have fought. I never missed weight. I never pulled out of a fight. Mm. Uh, I just did everything right. I trained harder than anyone and I ticked all the boxes and I just couldn't work out why the door kept slamming. Yeah. Now we're on our third knockback. I'm 30 years old, like I say, and 20 and two. Got an unbelievable record. I'm number one in Europe and I've been for a long time. Mm. Nobody can work it out. And then it's just like, right, well, what now? Do you know what I mean? And I'm very lucky. Very lucky that the PFL came along. Um They were just starting out. They were only on their second season. um, And basically you're fighting a tournament for a million dollars. Um, They came along and approached me. Well, every Bellator, 1FC, all the major promotions was going, met, like offering me stupid money. Everyone yeah. wanted me at that point. And PFL literally gave me whatever I wanted. They said, we'll give you this to sign on. We'll give you... Well, you can fight Madison Square Garden in one month. We've got this big show and you can fight on that. Then we've got a big show at Mandalay Bay in Vegas in December. You can fight on that. Bear in mind, this is like July now. So I was like, when I have two fights for the end of the year, you're going to give me this mad signing bonus. You're going to... They were promising me four fights the next year and I like they were promising me stupid stuff. Yeah. But I didn't really know about this promotion. I thought, these are brand new. Yeah. Where, what's going on here? So I rolled the dice. You rolled the dice Let's again. Go. They did give me the two fights. I had them both, Won them both. Yeah. Give me the signing bonus, everything cleared. I'm like, found a new home. Yeah. Then, right, I'm ready to go into this million dollar tournament now. COVID. COVID comes along. I'm like, right. They phone me up about two months before my first tournament fight for the million. Mm. Yeah, um, just so you know, we're shutting down for COVID. We're not going to be back for a year and a half. So... Do what you're doing. I said, well, what am I going to do for a year, and a, a year and a half? Yeah. Yeah, we're off. Done. Phone down. Yeah. I'm like, well, what am I going to do for a year and a half then? Yeah. No, no, for sure. To be fair, the whole world was in the same boat. This yeah. wasn't just them taking the piss.
1: No, they, they physically couldn't do that. No one could do <laughs> yeah. anything.
0: So, just trained every day and was like, right, when this tournament does come around, I'll be ready. Yeah. It came around a year and a half later, like promised. Mm-hmm. Come out, fought a guy called Shaman Moraes, he was very big in the UFC. Knocked him out first round, everyone's like, wow. Second fight, another UFC guy, beat him comfortably. Third guy ended up fighting Khabib's best mate, a guy called Movlid um, Habalayev, who was 20 and old, never been beat. Mm. Ended up having a, a, a war with him, both covered in blood. He ended up beating me on a split decision. So that's me out of the tournament, done. Uh, But it was a three-tournament contract, so I could go again next year. Then I got offered a boxing match in Manchester. Ended up boxing at the Amiens Arena. Then I ended up taking a bit of time off for the next season. Then the season came around. First fight, won comfortably. Japanese guy, Ryoji. Second guy fought this Bosnian guy, beating comfortably. Third fight was their PFL debut in England. Fought the main guy, Chris Wade. He was the favourite to win it. it was a 3-1 to one underdog. Even mm-hmm. I was scared in this fight. 6,000 people in London, do you know what I mean? It was big pressure. Ended up wiping the floor with Chris yeah. Wade. And then I went on to the final where Madison Square Garden fighting an American guy in his back garden. I ended up fighting Bubba Jenkins for the world title and a million dollars. And then, ended up knocking him out mm-hmm. and getting a million dollars in the world title on essentially my fourth attempt.
1: But, but what I hear is, what's what's the best thing about this? And there's like, this whole podcast is called Power of the Ordinary. Yeah, Like, the power comes in your most ordinary moments of when you got knocked down. You know, it's like that moment where you're at home and you feel beat. That home where you're live on TV and you're just a normal human being. You've got a dream and they've taken it away from you. So many people in that moment would feel
0: I'm beat, but you've not accepted it. And I
1: feel like that's incredible
0: it kind of comes out in my fights as well i've been in mm. really hard fights where again i'm pissing blood broken noses broke even had one in germany where my arm was broke and mm. i carried on and ended up winning the fight with a broken arm mm. I ended up knocking the guy out with one arm hanging off did see that
1: I and mean, that's mental you went back to your corner right and you just like
0: my arm's it, I, broke the guy I was actually gonna... got a plate in there snapped in half i know you ended up with a kick or something right yeah i kicked him yeah because he he started to realize that the arm was broke. And then started like headbutting my jab because he knew I couldn't throw the right hand. Yeah. And then he started getting complacent thinking he's <laughs> broke his arm, may eh? have won. And yeah. then I just head kicked too. So you tell me right now, what is next for Brendan? I don't know, mate. I don't know. I'm in a really, uh, really strong position in mm. my life. I'm really happy. Mm. I'm I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm in a position where I've had two fights since the world title. I defended mm-hmm. it the first one. I lost my second one. So I've recently just lost the belt. It made me realise a lot of things, and I was burning the candle at both ends. And I was I've, I, like, it's really hard for me to explain about how I train for these fights and what I put in because most humans wouldn't even be able to conceive what goes into a fight camp. Mm. Just to touch on it, you know, I moved to Thailand, I'm living in a one bedroom apartment on my own I'm in and out the gym three times a day I'm getting meals delivered to my door. that has barely anything I'm barely eating I'm barely sleeping I'm training all all day I don't see any of my friends and family I just I've got this money and this belt but I'm away yeah. in Thailand on my own I was back in the gym four weeks after this world title most people take a world title and they're six months off and they parade the world with it and they make this big song and dance I'm in the gym ready for the next fight yeah. so I didn't slow down yeah. and I believe that's why I did lose because I didn't take a minute to myself. I just kept going and going. And I was unbelievably active. I mean, I had four fights in seven months every year for four years. And as a fighter, you're lucky if you have three a year. I was having four in seven months. Um, Now it's put me in a reset. Like, okay, well, there's nothing on the table fight-wise at the minute, which is the first time in years that there's not an opponent in front of me. So now it's like, okay, well, let's try and do something normal. Yeah. Let's try and interior design my house, make it comfortable. <laughs> let's uh, let's reconnect with old friends. You know what I said to myself? When I got the time off and it did happen, I thought, right, well, there's no fight here. I've got friends like Scott and Chris and there's loads of friends around me that yeah. have been to every fight, mm. New York, America, Vegas, you name it, they've been there. I've missed their birthdays, weddings, christens, funerals. I've missed everything. Mm. So I said to myself, for the next six to eight weeks, I am going to go to anybody's birthday, christening, wedding, I was, and I went to them all. Yeah. We went in a wedding in Portugal the other day, it was my mate's 50th the same day as the wedding. I got an Uber from Portugal to Marbella four and a half hours, so I didn't miss either of them. Yeah. And like, then I flew to Colombia to see one of my very good friends that I've not seen for years, just connecting with all these people that I've put all this time and effort into yeah. supporting Brendan. I'm sorry to pause the listening, but there's a product I need to
1: tell you about. And it's our sugar-free caffeinated energy gum. It allows you to hit your day harder and give you a lift in moments where you need it most. Now, back to the show. That is a real moment, isn't it? When you have such a big dream, like that's what it was. You had a, a massive dream. I am going, I want to be UFC. I want to be the top of the game. I want to be one of the best fighters there is. A dream like that doesn't come without massive sacrifice. Yeah. And... Like you say, you sacrifice a lot, you're in Thailand, you're in a bedroom, you're getting eaten, you're alone, there's no family. A, there's got to be moments where either you're just so obsessed about getting this dream and competitiveness where you block everything else out. But also at the same time, do you ever regret or do those feelings of missing out on really important life moments start sinking in?
0: Did well, once I won the belt, my mum, my girlfriend at the time, And my coach begged me not to go back. Like, what are you doing going back? You've got a world title. You've got the money. You've got everything you wanted out of the sport. What are you going back to Thailand on your own for? No, no, no. I've got to do it. Didn't listen to no one. (laughs) And did it. And like, won the first one. Knocked the guy out. First, second round it was. Then the second one, I got caught. But none of them, they all said, well, we knew this was going to happen. You was moving 100 miles an hour. You didn't stop for one second. You went back to that one bedroom with fucking on your own, and we all wanted to be around you and support you after you win and you belt and everything you'd yeah. achieved. But I was just wasn't stopped. I, that's what I'm looking at. You know, saying I, I'm not, not willing really. to just sit about, mate, yeah. and like be that guy that won a belt and fell off and no one heard of him again. Yeah, I feel like people think that you've done it now and just chill. But I don't want to chill. I, get I it. Got My legs going now. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm on the go constantly, and my my brain's thinking about stuff as I'm speaking to you yeah. about other things. So like what? <laughs> no just like what I'm, what I'm gonna do and where I'm gonna go and I have a mad thing about I have a travel bug for a start yeah I'm constantly on the move constantly traveling the world and doing other things and I think for a fighter someone that's done this since fifteen imagine trying to be a normal member of society now and like all right now I don't have to train today. And you know what I'm resonating with? And I will got fury. I'm watching the documentary now on Netflix. Do you know how much I have in common with that man? Go on. Like, honest to God, I'm watching it, right? He doesn't know what he's doing He's from day to day. (laughs) Yeah. He's fiddled with retirement in this thing. Yeah, I'm just going to sit at home and have some (laughs) kids' time. We don't know. We just know that we need to keep going. And I just resonate with him and how his mindset is. As a world champion myself, Mm. we don't want to sit still. We don't want to just sit on this world title. We yeah. want to keep moving forward. Keep
1: moving forward. I get it. It's like it's that moment. Where it's like I'd rather get hit by heavyweight champions yeah. again and again than than move some.
0: Sit here and be yeah. a normal and look. Just sit in the, put the fireplace
1: on and <laughs> watch telly. It's not us. Yeah, you're very content. I think with the journey. Yeah, and I think that's the best thing is like because you're content with the journey, not the goal. And I think that brings that brings True. success and that brings happiness within what it is you're doing. But at some point when you have to stop. Yep. How how do you reckon you're going to be able to cope with that? Because at some point you've got to, right? Of
0: course, yeah. And that's what I'm dealing with in my head now that it is coming to the end and it is a short shelf life fighting. Now I have to feel, I don't have kids, that's the difference. I actually don't have kids. So that is another goal of mine obviously as a man. Um, And I'm an only child so that's another difference. Mm. So for me, now it's about trying to have a family unit after fighting you know what I mean and trying to have trying to have a bit of normality to where I can just get up and not have this mad urge to have to go gym or the day doesn't exist do you know what
1: yeah, I mean yeah yeah do it do, do do
0: like being like no you don't have to go yeah. today you know no but I do in my head trying to alright I go to Starbucks I can't have a sugar but now I put the odd sugar in because I'm chilling at the minute okay. do you know how different see how small that is but how big it is in my head, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I'm trying to get it across on the podcast yeah. where I'm at. But it's <laughs> no, it's hard. good,
1: mate. What you've done there is really good. And considering that you are at the moment, you can have treats. We've got the champion can that's right next to you. Ill, lad. Go on, you've got one right there. You've got one right there. Have you had the taste of this yet? I have. I, I, I have. went to the
0: thing, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did the opening thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say do a little taste test. But what do you think it tastes like? I've already had it, mate. Yeah, but, I, yeah. Go
0: on the video when I first had this. It's hilarious. Yeah.
1: Because for me, I I bloody love Lilt and obviously Lilt's discontinued it just reminds me of Lilt consistently
0: Gorgeous (laughs) Gorgeous It is is gorgeous It is and I'm not just saying it because I'm on camera it's a really nice drink Right at the beginning you said this conspiracy theories.
1: you said we'll get into that Do you want to jump into that? No
0: Yeah what it is basically is people are just really uh, mind blown by why Dana White never why was you never the chosen one what was going on people have all types of things going through, which I don't really want to go into because they're just like, I don't want to start mad rumours. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, because some of it's like mad. Yeah. I'm like, all right, mate. Uh, (laughs) But as far as my knowledge is aware, I've only ever met Dana White twice in my life. The first time I was on his show. Yeah. And the second time I went to corner Darren Till, Mm. which was a nice feeling because I come back as a champion. And... I come back as that guy that got turned away on the show yeah, and said, nah, nah, nah. And then I come back with mm. and a million dollars and a world title in my hand. Now that felt good.
1: <laughs> it's almost like a big year, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Mm. It
0: was. I think that was my biggest motivation. Yeah, I think it was my biggest motivation was getting told you're not good enough. Mm. Nah, you can't come here. And I'm not joking now, right? there was nowhere to go after that. There yeah. was nowhere. I found somewhere, this PFL wasn't even a thing. Yeah. And it grew with me, yeah. my profile and them. We grew together. Yeah. And this million dollars and world title come out of nowhere because yeah. it wasn't even a thing. And like, there was nowhere to go. Where was going to go? Bellator, Bellator, like, I. Like, it was, so, it just kind of like, the, the universe was with me and like, listen lad, just promise that they were like did they, they talk to me a few times I reckon and said just keep training hard and something will happen yeah I don't know what it is but something will come out of nowhere and it literally did yeah and if that's a key that anybody wants to take from this podcast today is keep working hard find something you absolutely love and I'm not talking about love, I'm talking about obsessed I'm talking about I how many people on planet earth now go to bed on a Sunday night and they absolutely sat there thinking, I cannot wait for tomorrow. I've got this session and then that session and like, and i are going to do this in there. And I was, I'd go to bed with a smile on my face and wake up with a smile on my face.
1: You can see it. You're so, ener- like the energy that's coming across from me. Yeah, like, yeah. This, in, this, in this room. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these conversations have been like, we've gone quite deep. Like I was chatting to Kane yeah. the other day that's a complete different story but yourself, you're here and you're so gassed and you're yeah, ready yeah. and... Um, I think it's that drink. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it Bloody is. I want to sip mate. I want to start fucking <laughs> doing a marathon.
1: The, um, out of everything though, as, before we come to a close, is you've had, like you say, massive peaks and troughs. You've yeah. had massive ups and, and big ups in yeah. the world's biggest stage. I I did see like when you went to Madison Square Garden or something, you've got, given them like a note. Yeah, from, uh, well,
0: I actually, I've actually fought there twice I've been looking yeah. to fight there twice and the first time I fought there was in 2019 and excuse me I remember walking into the arena and as I walked in it's Madison Square Garden mm. I'm fighting in Madison Square Garden as a young lad from Manchester so I go in and then on the seat um, in the change room there's, a, there's an envelope with Brendan written on it yeah. so I open it up and it goes uh, to Brendan um, your friends at Madison Square Garden. Best of luck tonight. You made it. Yeah. And it's... I read. I still got it. I've got it on my wall at home. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. It's it was. Cool, yeah, man. yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. I've got plenty of stories for the grandkids. Anyway, yeah.
1: what's been the highest high out of all of it? And then I know you kind of touched
0: upon it, but I don't know if you want to go deeper. The lowest low. Well, you can't get any higher than winning a million dollars in Madison Square Garden. Mm. It doesn't get any higher or any bigger for anyone. Winning that fight, knocking the guy out. You know, being an undog again, winning the Mm. world title, winning a million, and then looking out of the cage, seeing your mum, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, your little cousin, or your whole family is just ringside at Madison Square Garden, Mm. and you've done it. Mm. you fucking done it. You actually did do it. You said you were going to do it, and you actually did it. I don't think that will be my highest high in life. I really don't.
1: And that's what excites me most. Yeah. I feel like I'm sat here right now, and I cannot wait to see what it goes in five years. Me too. Because I truly, truly believe it's going to be something else. Me too.
0: It's going to be something spectacular. Yeah. Because it's just the power of my belief and my energy is different. Because I'm I'm not just one of these that say I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm yeah. not willing to just say it. Yeah. If I say, okay, I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but whatever it is, and it's gonna say like the the road looks bumpy to get there. Mm. Sweet. <laughs> Bring on the bumps. Do you know you, what I mean. You can
1: come back from Ibiza yeah. after 11 days and get a flight to Australia. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Like it's nuts in it. You are 100 percent right. Um. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on and being so like open and honest. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying these episodes, let us know by subscribing to whichever channel you're listening through. It makes a huge difference and allows us to grow and bring you better content. Thanks for listening.